Spirit for teaching us and guiding us. I ask you for utterance to speak as I ought to speak. I thank you that give each one of us ears to hear what you are saying to us in this time, in this day, in this hour. Thank you for that anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage and brings healing and deliverance and freedom. Father, we pray over this prayer cloth right now. Father, we pray not only that there would be a healing that takes place from sickness and deliverance from that pain, but I thank you that that anointing begins to work to bring reconciliation. Reconciliation and health to relationships. Thank you, Lord. Help us to see the connection many times. Whether it's sickness and pain affecting a relationship or relationship bringing an open door. We thank you for the anointing. Because the anointing delivers, it sets free, it makes whole, heals, prospers every area of our life. We thank you for that. We thank you for that anointing here. I pray, Holy Spirit, that each and every person will have an encounter with you this morning. Whether it's by the word and you teaching them or by your anointing, healing, or breaking yokes of bondage, I pray right now. Those spirits that come to confuse us, thank you that that darkness that comes with confusion would be lifted, light would shine. Thank you those sent of the enemy to oppress us and weigh us down and drive us as it were, into the ground. We command that to be broken, that freedom might come and that we might rise up. Feeling like every weight has been lifted off, knowing that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So we thank you for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and every life by your word and by your spirit this morning. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty and matchless and majestic name we pray. And everyone who greets said... Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? I want to welcome you. It's so good. Glad that you are here. Uh, It's always great to be with you. I've said this before, but if we get the revelation that really when we gather together, it's the greatest gathering of people. Heaven is watching when the church gets together. There's a corporate anointing when the church gets together. Things that really, uh, you know, we don't realize that. We get into our thoughts, you know, well, I don't know if time frames and busyness, but when we come together, there's something going on. The Bible says how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It's like the anointing oil of Aaron that comes down, it comes over the whole body, even down to the tips of our our toes. And so there's an anointing here that if we're just aware, we come in, we lift up our hands, we praise God, the presence of God comes in. And it begins to equip you for what you're dealing with. Success begins on Sunday. Come on, when God imparts things to you and anoints you as we come together, and it's something... Many times you just can't get on your own. It's something that God is doing in the midst of that corporate anointing in the body of Christ. And you're like, I can get that on my own, just me and God. Well, he wouldn't need the body if you could get everything on your own. There's strength in the body. Amen? So it's always a privilege to gather together with Christ's body. And it's such a great gathering that goes on. And when we look forward to it, above all things, and have an expectancy of what God will do, God always likes to meet us at our expectancy. Amen? Why don't you look at somebody next and say, the life of God dwells in me, and the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Open your Bibles with me uh, to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. I just want to remind you, uh, men, <clears throat> it went by pretty quick, the announcement. Some of the things, you know, we're, we're moving a little bit slower. The year is moving fast. We're moving kind of slow. But here, January 3rd, Friday night, we're having a barbecue at John Point Dexter's house. And that barbecue, Stand Tall Men, it says men's, men's group, but we're, we're uh, getting ready to launch men's ministry here at New Creation Church, and so it's been a while. You know, we've had our, we had our men's conference, and, and uh, people have asked for it, but I've been praying. I want to do it in God's timing, and so coming around the end of last year as I was praying, I just really felt impressed that we should begin uh, a men's ministry, and, uh, 
you know, uh, the foundation, I mean, I can't say everything, thus saith God, but if you look out in the world today, the, the world system is really trying to push men into the background. Um, it's really trying to, to, you know, there's something that's coming against men because God knows uh, that men have an important uh, part to play. And uh, some of the aspects that the enemy has been able to work with is because, you know, we get traditions, traditions of men, we get our thinking, but God has a plan. And it's not all or nothing, and it's not a, a plan for women to rise up and then push men down or men to get up and push women down. I mean, there's a place where God has a place for all of us and, and, and how we rise up and uh, how we facilitate that. And so uh, we're just, we're working on those things. We want to, and the barbecue is a time where we get together. We're going to get together. We're going to just present to you where we're going with men's ministry. And we've got some thoughts on small groups and gathering together and spending time building relationship men with men. And uh, so we can encourage one another, help one another, uh, uh, strengthen one another uh, to do really what God's called us to do, to be great husbands, to be great leaders, to be great dads, right, to lead, to take up some, some spiritual leadership, uh, uh, not everywhere we are, to have influence, amen? And so uh, our, our role is really to equip you for what God's called you to do, and so uh, put that on your calendar. I know it's coming up very quickly, uh, and we'll get a little bit more information to you. It's coming, but uh, men's uh, stand tall uh, meeting or launch meeting barbecue on June the 3rd. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, we're starting a new series of messages this morning. We have a lot to do, so we're just barely going to crack this thing open. Uh, we have our, our graduation for our, our fifth graders moving into middle school, uh, but uh, we've entitled this series of messages, Power Principles to Shape Your Future. Power Principles to Shape Your Future. And so, you know, anybody who's been around for a little while here the last few years, uh, there have been things that might concern you about the future. Anybody had any concerns about the future? Only three of you. Well, we'll pray for the rest of you for lying pretty quickly. And so if you have no concern about the future and you could write a book on it to tell everybody how to not have any concern for the future, write that. It'll be a bestseller. And... Uh, I'm just giving you some pastoral advice of how you might really get rich. But generally speaking, people have had to wonder, you know, through COVID, what in the world's going on here and the things that are happening. But Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, we're going to use this to launch off of this morning. Again, if you understand a little bit in context of what's happening, Jeremiah came in to warn the children of Israel or tell them that they had a chance to make a decision to repent, to turn back to God, or they would go into captivity. And they, they didn't obey God. They actually made a little bit of fun of, of Jeremiah, thought that he didn't know what he was talking about. They went into captivity. And there was a, a part of that group that was in captivity who had obeyed God. And so they were wondering, like, we live good, and why are we here? Uh, and so they were wondering, is God upset? What's going on? And so God addresses them because it's all about it. Even them going into captivity was about God being able to utilize the, the, the people of God to bring forth the Messiah or to bring forth a revival. That would be Jesus coming as a definite revival for the earth, right? And so he's always working. And so as they followed the world and got in sin, he couldn't allow that. They had, he had to bring them to a place to humble themselves that they might bring them forth. But, you know, many times we get into a place where, you know, a lot's going on. People start telling us, uh, words start coming forth about what God is thinking. And I think that was going on then, and God said, I'm just going to interrupt all of your people's saying what I'm thinking, and I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking. It's always a good thing to know what God's thinking. And so he says this, I know the thoughts that I have for you, right? God says, I know the thoughts that I think for you. Quit telling me what I'm thinking and let me tell you what I'm thinking. Isn't that good? So we're often like, God, why are you doing this? And God, you must be doing this for a reason. And God, you must be, and God, you must be, and God, I'm sure you think, and God's like, would you be quiet for just a minute and let me tell you what I'm thinking? Sometimes we just need to calm down and let God tell us instead of us tell him. So he says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. They are thoughts of peace and not evil. You look around and go, what must God be thinking? He's thinking peace for you, 
He's not thinking evil. To give you a future and a hope. To give you a future and hope. God has a future for you. God has a future and a hope. One translation says a future and a desired outcome for you. God has that. He said, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will answer you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Come on, we had a patience, perseverance, and endurance message at the end of the year where we took time and just like uh, that song saying, we're, we're waiting on the Lord. And waiting on the Lord is not just sitting back, twiddling our thumbs, waiting for God to do something. It's getting into that place where we search him. We get with him with all of our hearts. And as we do, he starts to intertwine. When we wait, that word means intertwine. He starts to intertwine our life with his life. We begin to have a revelation that it's in him that we move and in him that we live and in him that we have our very uh, being. Come on, he says, I have a future and a hope for you. But you know, in the days you know, that we're living in, and you can get into the point of just saying, man, I don't know what my financial future is. I don't know, you know if you're single, if I'm going to get married, is Jesus coming back? Am I not going to get married? Some people think, you know, what's the future hold for my marriage? What's the future hold for my job? Uh, you know, what about my retirement right now? I mean, what's my retirement going to look like? Some people need to be thinking about their eternity. Where are you going to spend eternity? God's concerned about your eternity. He sent Jesus so that you could know where you're going to spend eternity. If you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, that's a question. Today, I just encourage you to understand that Jesus is exactly who the Bible said he is, that he died for your sin, that you might be forgiven and really make Jesus the Lord of your life and have eternal life and spend forever with him. There doesn't have to be uncertainty in that place. But as we get to that place where there's that uncertainty and that place where we're wondering what's going on and I don't know what is next and there's a little bit of concern, that's normal to see all that going on around. I mean, in the last three years, stuff has happened, as Alan said, there's stuff that hasn't happened really in our lifetime. And even though the Bible tells us, you know, things would happen in the last of the last days, didn't look exactly like we thought it was going to look. You know, things that happened from, from uh, uh, 2019, really, uh, 2020, really, in, in, you know, in the spring when COVID hit, man, it really put a test. Do we really believe what we said we were going to believe? And many of us came out and said, man, my faith has been challenged. Um, and we began to get, you know, the enemy tried to divide us and conquer us and people getting mad at people about different things and just wondering, why, well, why does that happen? Because when uncertainty hits our lives, we begin to not know what the future holds. And so if we're not careful, you know, the, the thing that we don't want to do and the thing that we uh, uh, don't want to land on, the conclusion that we don't want to come to is there's really little or nothing that we can do about it. You come to a point and think, well, there's really, I mean, the government's making all these decisions and telling us what to do, and so there's really nothing we can do about it. But as believers, we have to understand that there is a reality in Christ and there are realities in Christ for us, right? And we have hope as believers in the reality of Christ Jesus. It's through those realities that we have in Christ that we can and we should live by those realities. And we should live from those realities in Christ in the best of times and the worst of times. Come on, what God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage that was done to us by Adam's fall. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage that the enemy is trying to create in the world towards you today. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. That our resource comes from a different place. Because we've been encrusted, we've been engrafted into Christ. We have a brand new life and a brand new creation. And I say in the best of times and the worst of times because sometimes we think, well, when it gets bad enough, I'll focus in on, on Jesus. But we get just as distracted by good times as we do bad. 
You know, things were just seeming to go so good before COVID. We weren't even paying attention. But God wants us to live every day by faith in Jesus Christ. I just want to encourage you as we, we go into this series of messages and understand just a few things. Set your faith, pray, set your faith on something every single day. Be believing God in some way for something that God has promised you. Be believing God where there's areas of your life where there's confusion, believe, believe him for clarity. Where there's unforgiveness, believe him for the power to forgive. Find something in your life and say, I'm believing God. Because if we're not living by faith every single day, we're living far short of the privileges that God purchased by the blood of Jesus. If we're not living by faith, we're settling for something that the enemy has put on our plate. And so we don't want to come to that place of, uh, of looking and making choices that are based on something that really God didn't say. And to realize that there is a, a hope for us because of those realities that are created in the reality of what Jesus did for us, we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Come on, in the midst of all of what's going on in the world, you can have uncertainty, you can be unsure of what's going on. But we never should, as believers, find ourselves feeling helpless. Come on. We should never find ourselves feeling helpless. Why? Because we have the helper living on the inside of us. Come on, he's right here and he's right now. He's looking to help you turn things around. He's helping. He's here to help you with clarity. He's here to help you with guidance. He's here to help you every step of the way. So that we can make decisions in our life that are not only pleasing to God, but decisions that line us up with the very purpose that God intended for us. Come on, Israel had made some decisions that brought them into captivity, but God said, my intended purpose and my hope has never changed. I'm still thinking the same thing. I had to do some things. Some things were done uh, to bring you into captivity, not because of my decision, but because of your decisions. And so the enemy's trying to get us to make reactionary decisions based on what's going on around us. And God says, I want you to be led and I want you to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Because he'll lead you in things that are well-pleasing to me and they're in line with my plans and my purposes for your life. Amen. Come on, God has some things that he really wants us to know. If we're not careful, we begin to fall back into an idea of, you know what, I can't do anything about it. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. Same old, same old. And that sounds good, you know, it comes out and it's just like, you know, it's just something to say. It's real cliche-ish, you know. It, it kind of gets somebody off our back when they say, how's it going? Or it's just a kind of, but really to begin to let that sink in subtly and say, well, I can't do anything about it. Que sera, sera is a very irresponsible way to live. It's very irresponsible with the life that God has given us. Come on, through Jesus Christ, he gave you life. Now, if I say come on a lot, I don't know where I got it. It was part of the anointing on Friday night at the... I listened to that back, and somebody might count that, like how many times I said, come on. Um, I'll try to break that, but yeah, I just heard myself say it again. I was being very aware to not say it today, but I, I did it. So I, I did that graduation. I did that graduation. Tasha said, you did good. She played it back. I'm like, where did I come? She goes, I don't know. You hardly ever say that. But tonight, I said it like Friday night about a thousand times. So anyway, praise the Lord. It's very irresponsible. Jesus came to give us life and give us life more abundantly. Not a life to just settle with, but an abundant life. Spirit, soul, and body. 
Come on, at New Creation Church, we believe that. We believe God wants you to have an abundant life, a life full of all that he is and all that he has and everything that he purchased by the blood of Jesus. And as the enemy tries to come along and say, this is just your circumstance, this is your situation, just accept it. But if it isn't in line with the truth of God's word, there's time to begin to speak to those mountains. As Alan said, we are not those people, uh, as people of faith, we are not people who ignore situations. But we take the word of God and we begin to speak the word of God to those situations. We don't ignore when sickness comes on somebody's body. We pray for their healing. We don't ignore difficult times, but we speak to them. We don't ignore that there's darkness, but God has spoken light into places. And he wants to bring us in. And so we begin to realize and recognize as people of faith, that we're not ignoring the circumstances around us, but God has put us in this generation for such a time as this to bring forth the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and by decisions that we make, walk with God and follow Jesus into life. Come on, life's going to come at you. I don't know if you've experienced that or not, but come on, you can wake up and life just comes at you. The life of this world, the life that the enemy has, the day-to-day life. But God's prepared us, caused us to focus. Come on, he's been planting the word in you, many of you, for years and years and years. And God's saying right now, I want you to take that word that is in your heart. And I want you to raise up with faith in that word. And I want you to begin by that word in your mouth to turn some situations around. I I want you to take what God's put in you and rise up. Don't settle for what the enemy has, but turn some things around. Okay, I got to hurry up. All right, let me figure out what I'm going to do here. What am I going to do? Praise the Lord. So I'm in a shortcut. We might have to come back next week to a couple of things. Planning on it. Thank you. Praise the Lord. And so really, we can't let the enemy come with just unsubstantiated information. Sounds great. You know, in the religious world, the church world, it really is translated, uh, uh, you know, God, whatever God, whatever happens is God's will, and whatever uh, God wills will happen. In other words, God's in control of everything. Come on, I want you to think about it for just a second. If God's in control of everything, he is a very bad spouse. If God's in control of everything, he's a really bad financial Uh, very uh, bad at handling finances. If God's in control of everything, he's a very bad leader. Come on, if God was in control of everything, God created the universe. He's a great organizer. He put everything in motion and the timing of it and everything. Man, if he's in control of everything, then he would take leaders and he would control everything. Come on, it says he's a great husband. If he was in control of everything, all of us would be great husbands. Just think about it. See, it it gets to our mind, and it sounds so religious. God's just in control. But we're living irresponsibly. And really, the fact of the matter is, is we judge that always based on our circumstance and how we view our circumstance and what we feel like we can do in the midst of it. So I don't know. Irresponsibly, it's just God. But then when God actually is in control, we rebel. Huh? When God's actually in control, he starts dealing with our heart. When we we kneel down and go, God, I give my life to you, and we get up, and he says, okay, I want you to go to that person and ask them for forgiveness. Well, I'll do that another time. Well, I thought God was in control. Come on. So what we're going to get at, how am I going to do this, God? All right. Praise the Lord. And so really, I'm going to move, just move through this just real quick. 
You know, what God wants us, I want us, what I hope comes out of this as a pastor is that we can really begin even more than ever to think with God and to think like God. To think with God and to think like God. In Isaiah chapter 33, verse 6, great scripture here. Isaiah 33, 6, it says, Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of our times. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of our times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. That reverence of God. So God's wisdom to think like God, to think with God, is the stability of our day. So, uh, you know, just to bring a little bit maybe clarity, and again, I'm moving through this fairly fast, but in 2 Kings chapter 7, there's a story there. You know, there was a great famine in the land, a really, really, really severe famine that was in the land. I mean, they, they were buying stuff with pigeon dung. Now, that's a famine, when you can buy something with pigeon poop. And so, I mean, it's just terrible. They're coming down to the end. It's just been bad. The, the, the prophet declared that that famine would come. He also had declared near this time that the famine would end. He said, you're, you're not able to buy and sell, but there's coming an end to this famine, and you'll be able to buy and sell like you used to buy and sell. And there was a servant uh, in the kingdom that laughed at the prophet like it was impossible. See, we always want to think like God. We want to listen to what God is saying about the day and the hour that we live in. And so there were four lepers. They were outside the wall of the city. And uh, they thought, you know, if we go into the city, they're going to kill us. We're lepers. We can't go into the city. We'll die. If we stay out here, I mean, we're starving to death. If we stay out here, we're going to die. If we go to the enemy's camp, who knows, but they might capture us and feed us. If not, we're going to die. So let's just make a decision. So they decided, let's just go get up and go to the enemy camp. So they got up and went to the enemy camp. We don't see anything that they were godly men, they were serving God, that the word of the, God, the Lord spoke to them to go. We just know they decided we could either die here or we could die there, but we're going to go to the enemy's camp. So they went to the enemy's camp. When they arrived there, there was no enemy so the four of them are looking around, and they go into this tent, and there is food and gold and silver and clothes. And so, I mean, they bellied up to the table. They began to eat and drink, and they grabbed gold and silver, and they went and buried it somewhere. And so they went further into the camp, and they went into another tent, and they're like, wow. And they ate, and they drank. They got more gold and silver and buried it. And then they stopped and looked at each other and said, what we are doing is not right. <laughs> and then they said, and the sun could come up and somebody come and kill us. So they said, we should go back and tell the king what's going on. So they went back and told the king what was going on. The king thought it was a trap, so he just sent, uh, he ended up, he thought he'd send five horsemen, but he sent two chariots and two horsemen, and they went. It was just like they said. The camp was empty. Everything was still there. Something had happened. What happened is God made it sound like the sound of so many armies of chariots and horses that the enemies thought, oh my gosh, Israel's recruited all of our enemies, and they're all coming at once to to destroy us, and they fled. They fled, throwing off their coats, throwing off their garments. They were running out so fast because God had brought salvation to them. Amen. Come on, God's declaring some things. God's saying some things about the end of, uh, of what our life should be in the future that we have. And you know that when the prophet said the end will come and you'll buy and sell like you used to, it'll just come at an instant. The end of this famine will come. That servant that laughed at the prophet, the prophet said, because you have laughed at the word of the Lord, you'll not see it or partake of it. When the king announced what was going on, there was such a surge of people that ran out of the gate of the city that that servant got trampled, and he never, ever was able to partake of the breaking of the famine and the plenty that had come to them. Come on. He made a decision to mock God. The lepers made a decision to say, listen, we could live or die. Let's make a decision that would...
be for life. Come on, they might not even had God. You and I have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He quickens your body. He leads you and he guides you and he directs you. That we have power on the inside of us and principles that go with that power to shape our future. And so really quickly, I just want to tell you, just, just wait your appetite real quick. Is that all right? Just a couple things that we'll talk about. We're going to talk about the principle of the seed. The principle of the seed. There's such powerful principle in the seed. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. And the message Bible says it like this. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. The right time we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get a chance, let us work for the benefit of all starting with the people closest to us, the community of faith. Come on. A seed sown in good soil will harvest exponentially greater than the seed that was sown. Exponentially greater than the seed that was sown. We're going to go into some of that. Come on, some of you need to plant. Some of you need to see your future and start planting seed for that future. Come on, you can't plant corn and get watermelons. We're going to talk about the principle of belief. The principle of belief. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus talked to the blind men, and he said, uh, what do you want? And they said, we want to see. And so he laid hands on them, and he said, as your faith is, so be it unto you. I like what the Message Bible says. He says, uh, uh, the Message Bible says he laid hands on them and said, uh, uh, let what you believe become who you are. Let what you believe become who you are. They believed they would see, and Jesus was saying, let what you believe become who you are. It's a powerful, powerful principle, that principle of belief. We're going to talk about the principle of relationships. Come on, some people's future is going awry because of relationship. We've relinquished influence to people who should not have influence in our life. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says, He who walks with the wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good character. Come on, so often we're just letting people into our lives and they're, they become influencers in our life and they're not the right influence. So how we choose relationships is going to be very important. Then just this last little teaser, we'll, we'll go into more things, but the principle of thoughts. The principle of thoughts. One person said, uh, uh, thoughts are like trains. They'll take you to a destination. One thought can take you to a number of different destinations. But a wise person doesn't get on a train not knowing where it's going. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 in the Passion Translation says, We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance to the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Come on, there are some principles that are so powerful to shape our future. We're going to get into that in the upcoming weeks. I hope that throughout uh, your time, I know there's different things that are going on, but you won't miss one. I believe our future depends on it. I believe God has been establishing patience, perseverance, and endurance. That we know it'll take a little bit of time, but we're, we're, we're looking and we have a good foundation. And now we're looking that all that's been laid and we're taking the time 
to prepare and to shape our future, and it'll be exactly what God said it would be if we use the powerful principles and allow our sh- uh, the shape of our future to be that which God has already promised, that desired outcome, Amen. knowing that he's not in control of all of it. He has a plan. Our choices make a difference. We'll have to dive a little bit deeper as we go. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that as we go from this place, Holy Spirit, you take this word. Although just a beginning, just an introduction, you help each and everyone understand that you do have a plan, but they have something to do with that plan. That it doesn't just happen. They're not just walking through life, letting the enemy do whatever he wants to do, and then saying it's what you want to do. But we begin to dive in. We begin to look at your word. We begin to understand seed time and harvest. We begin to understand our part in co-laboring together with you. We understand that you are working in us to will and to do of your good pleasure, but we are ones that are working out what you're doing in us to the outside. That salvation is thoroughly worked through. So meet each one where they are. Help them as we go forward. Help them see a future that you have declared because of the blood of Jesus. Begin to have an expectation of that future and that hope. And begin to take these powerful principles to bring their life into that shape and that form. No longer conformed to this world, but transformed into the very image of the future that you have planned. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we have a special day. I think it's a, a landmark day we need to recognize and understand and celebrate because we have that. And our fifth graders are, are moving up into the youth group. And, and so we want to acknowledge them and uh, welcome them uh, into the sanctuary. So if our fifth graders would come in and if you would give them a hand as they come in to join us here. Welcome, you guys. Awesome. Awesome. This is awesome. Well, we're going to watch a three-minute video and uh, then continue on with their graduation.
So we uh, take this time uh, to acknowledge our fifth graders moving up, and for all of you that were in the video and those of you that are visiting and weren't, we still want to acknowledge you. This is an incredible uh, time for these fifth graders really in their life and growing. If you ever remember, I'm sure you don't really want to remember back to when you were in fifth grade and moving up and, and uh, so many things within in their life. And the Bible teaches us so much about milestones and marking places in our life and victories and promotions and things that go on. All through, the, especially the Old Testament, God had them mark out places so that they could remember different periods of time. And so we want this to be an important time uh, for the young people right here as they're moving up into middle school. We want them to be acknowledged by you as a church body because they're entering into a, a promotion place, but they're entering into a much bigger place than they've ever been in before. And your prayer and your support of them, you know, uh, again, when you maybe go pick up your kids, you see all of them. When you begin to uh, see a youth group here on Sunday night and you see their faces, to make sure that you pray for them. This is a milestone. They're stepping into a new place, a bigger place in their life, different influences. And, and really, you know, God's called them to be influencers, to have a difference wherever they are, to be a light wherever they are. Yet there'll be pressures of life. And so we want to acknowledge they're moving up. What an exciting time in their life. But we also want to know that we are here as a church to support them, to pray for them, to stand with them and for them at such an important time and, and really growth time in their life. Because that's what they're going to be doing. They're going to be growing in so many different ways and, and, and mentally, emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually just growing and changing and having new uh, places of influence for their life. And so we want to mark this time as, and to say this is a, a big time for them, not just let it go by, and then support them, encourage them in, in their future and where they're going uh, in their life. Amen. Praise, Praise the Lord. So I'm going to have Pastor Tasha come up right now. And she is going to call them out. She's going to call you all out by name. And um, then we will uh, present that to you. I'm trying to catch up here with things that I need to I make sure of. Go from the top. Thank you. Praise the Lord. All right. Charlotte Briscoe. <laughs> You are. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Daisy Connors. Congratulations, Daisy. Yes, congratulations. <laughs> Alexis Hammond. Congratulations. Elijah Slife. Congratulations. Julian Stone. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. Caleb Vashus. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> Good job. All right. Ezekiel Venegas. Congratulations. Congratulations. Brooklyn Whitman. Congratulations. Congratulations. All right. And if the rest of you would stand up and stand with them, because we want to pray over you. Had to give these young men a hug, because after this, they'll, they'll insist on a handshake, I'm sure. <laughs> So why don't you all stretch your hands out towards these. Father, we just thank you in the name 
of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, we thank you truly that you have a plan and a purpose. As we talked about today and as was up there on their video, that you know the future that you have for them. You have things set before them that are good and not evil. You have a life for them that is full of your abundance and your provision. There is an enemy out there that would seek to kill, to steal, and destroy even the dreams that you've put in their heart. But we thank you for angelic protection guarding around about them as they go forth into their future. That there's angelic help, there's angelic influence to keep them and guard them lest they would even dash their foot against a stone. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit anointing them and strengthening them in their inner man for the very place and the influences that they are going to enter into, that they would be strong in their inner man, that they wouldn't give place to the influ negative influences that would try to guide them and influence them, but they would listen to the Holy Spirit of God, and they would be strengthened for the days that are before them, that they truly might enjoy their life as they go forward that they would look forward to the future with great hope and anticipation of good things that you have planned for them and not allow the world and its system to bring hopelessness and negativity, but they would be positive knowing there are negative things out there, but you have a plan, you have a future and a hope. So prepare them and anoint them for the things that are ahead. Guard them and keep them. Guide them in the way that they should go. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now, John Piccinotti is going to come up and share some things that are going on uh, this evening uh, with you. And the graduates, are they being dismissed? All right, the graduates, you can be dismissed. Got some traffic. See that direction right there? Follow Miss Sean. Praise the Lord. Oh, is there supposed to be a photo op? There's a photo op. Come back. All right. You kids get to see just how disorganized we are right here in this, all of us adults. All right. There you go. Who's taking the pictures? There we go. Moms and dads. Keep looking. I get to be in here too? You can let me stand next to you? Nah. You get to remember this. Look up. Pastor Mark is watching over you all the time. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. Okay, go ahead and go. All right, John, you're up. Well, I just second that, that we're very excited, and I speak on behalf of the whole youth team, that we're excited to have those fifth graders moving into the youth group. And tonight... We have something very special. We have our parent and student appreciation night. And last year, this was specifically only for the fifth graders. But if you're a parent or you're a student and a family of any youth age student, I encourage you to come tonight. God's doing great things in the youth ministry. Students are growing. Students are inviting friends, and those friends are getting saved. We've seen eight students get saved this year. And really, I'm excited, very excited and feel honored to have a part to play with my team in having a role in your students having a faith that well outlasts high school and doesn't decrease but grows in Jesus' name. So I encourage you, come tonight, eat, meet the crew leaders and the student uh, small group leaders and have a great time with us at 5 p.m. at our youth room. And we look forward to seeing you and welcome to the NCC Youth Group. All right, why don't you stand up? Is there anybody here uh, today, you say, you know what, I could use prayer for healing in my body. Raise your hand. If you're here today and need healing in your body, raise your hand. Got one over there, one over there. Hallelujah. 
If you don't have your hand up, look for somebody around you uh, that does. Put your hands on them. The Bible says these signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. It's that great uh, place of faith that we walk in. That we were talking about today. We can speak to those things. We don't ignore them. We don't ignore the pain and the sickness. But we begin to speak to it. And believing in what Jesus did when he laid over that whipping post and bore stripes upon his back. A place that Isaiah saw hundreds of years before and said that by his stripes we were healed. Hundreds of years before it happened. And Peter rang in and clear with that. That by his stripes we have been healed. So, Father, we pray right now for each and every one of these. As the body of Christ, linking together with our brothers and sisters, those who the enemy has attacked in their physical body. And we pray right now that through your church believers, you release a healing anointing. That pain, sickness, disease, infliction, affliction of any sort, would leave their bodies. But that healing would begin to work immediately until it is fully worked out. That there is a healing, but also a cure for what has ailed them. That they might walk free all the days of their life, healthy and whole. We thank you for it. We thank you, Father. Pray over this prayer cloth. The anointing would saturate it when it's brought to the sick, just as in the book of Acts. The anointing would escape this cloth and cause a healing and a cure throughout their body. They would experience the tangible anointing of the presence of God. And not only would their body be healed, but they would have a great manifestation of the healer, Jesus himself. So we thank you for healing bodies and we look for good testimonies. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Say as we go, what Woo. God did in Christ Jesus.